I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions, hello, my dove. Hello, dear. How are you? Fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. This weather needs to settle on one thing or the other. I know, right? It needs to be colder, it needs to be warm, or it needs to be... Uh, no, uh, right. Hold on. It's it's the constant weather roller coaster. I would also appreciate it if whatever maintenance crew takes care of my body (laughs) would stop slacking off. Uh, Do a better job? Yeah. Yeah. Why is my neck hurt? I don't know. (laughs) It just, uh, getting old is a treat and a treasure and uh, fun and a pleasure. So if I'm not mistaken, this week we were talking about um, something that I have a little bit of expertise in. What? This is my first job. Hold two weeks. Yeah, you didn't do very much, though. Excuse me? You refused. Refused to do much. That is not true. This is a narrative. Did they call you? Did my <laughs> former bosses call you? No, you've told me that there was a, a certain aspect of dog grooming that you did not like to do, and you wouldn't do it. No one should like to do that. <clears throat> we'll talk about it in a moment. But I worked there for two weeks. I was 16. I was supposed to be there to bathe and dry the dogs. And there was a grooming slash like boarding place. So I was also supposed to like feed them and let them out. Right. And they kept asking me to do all these other things, including like lawn maintenance and like cleaning the break room and stuff that I was not hired to do. And I was 16 and they fired me because they didn't like my work ethic. And I would be very curious to learn what 16-year-old work ethic is through the roof, but I digress. It was a terrible job, and I'm glad I got fired. So. Well, there's your dog grooming story. My dog grooming story. I've never been a, a dog groomer. No, you're, I was going to say, wait, yeah. <laughs> Look at your face. No, but I remember when we spent some time in L.A., I was excited to finally try and look for a dog groomer that would hand strip Buttercup uh, because she is a terrier. Uh, she looks a, a lot like a border terrier, although we've never had her DNA sequenced. We don't mm, know. It doesn't matter. Um, but she does have that wiry hair. And I was like, oh, this is a great opportunity to get her hand stripped. And I found somebody who said that they would do it. They took one look at Buttercup and said, absolutely not. You will end up with a hairless dog. Yeah. <laughs> because, yes, she does have wire hair, but she had been groomed she had been trimmed so much that the hair gets kind of softer, yeah. I guess. Um, and so if you hand strip, they they just lose all of their fluffiness. And apparently it's a very long process. So if you don't start the dogs early in life, they really don't tolerate it. Um, one last thing. It's kind of like plucking eyebrows. Sure. I guess. One last thing. Um in the story of me getting a job at a dog groomer. Oh, okay. I don't necessarily remember my parents stressing so much about me getting a job. Um, but in whatever narrative I built of the situation, it led to me at 16 
uh, dramatically entering into the room where my parents were and saying, oh God, and saying, fine, you've broken me like a stallion. <laughs> I'll get a job. <laughs> I, you're I not dramatic at all. I can't stress enough. I don't remember my parents <laughs> ever, maybe ever saying, you need to get a job. <laughs> maybe they did, but in my mind, it was constant pressure, I guess. Hey, so let's talk about a brief history of beautifying dogs. Okay. Um, it makes sense that we've been grooming dogs for a long time because dogs have been hanging out with us for thousands of years, right? Some historians believe that humans were keeping dog companions as early as 32,000 years ago. Mm. That's a long time because humans started providing food and shelter and protection to wolves. Um, and in return, the wolves stuck around to help the humans with the hunt in return for more food, right? Well, and just to kind of, to I don't know, spoiler, I guess, but we didn't have to groom. We didn't have to cut wolves' hair. No, we didn't. Because wolves have fur. They don't right. have hair. There's a difference. There's two. Some dogs have fur and some dogs have hair, and we'll talk about that yes, later. Yes, you can, you can brush a wolf if they'll tolerate it, but they don't need to be groomed. Um, they do shed, obviously. They shed pretty much all at once. Um, not they, all, not like, yeah, they call it blowing coat for a reason. It all kind of like falls off in, in clumps. Excuse me, sneeze, achoo, <laughs> just all on the ground like a dead pine tree. But the first dogs to get really like spa days, uh, probably between 1500 and 1600. Yeah, I bet in France. I bet they were doing it in France. They love that kind they of stuff. They love that kind of stuff. Um, but they weren't really groomed for aesthetics. Um, it was much more practical because hunters found that some light grooming made their dogs better swimmers, which made it easier for them to retrieve birds after they've been shot, right? And then um, the dogs that were that were really good at this were called curly-coated retrievers. Yeah. Um, they were very popular hunting dogs, good swimmers, and had dense fur um, that, you know, was kind of... Six of one, half a dozen of the other, right? If the fur got thoroughly soaked, it could weigh them down. But also, because it was so dense, it also at first would trap air bubbles, right? Yep. And help keep them afloat. And I mean, similar if you think about a terrier, right? We're a terrier, the it grows longer and longer and longer, right? But a lot of terriers are one, close to the ground, and two, are bred to like, you know, hunt moles and voles and ground animals, right? Mm -hmm. So if you picture like a terrier sticking their snout into a hole to try to get something and you haven't kept their like beards manageable, they're just going to get caked in mud and caked in dirt and everything, right? So you want a terrier that's going to stay warm and stay clean and have all of the, you know, uh, hair that it needs to uh, to live, uh, <laughs> but not so much that it's just constantly picking up brambles and sticks and mud and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So in the 1620s, it was standard to shave the back half of your hunting dog, uh, leaving only small bits of hair over joints to provide warmth. This is where we get the kind of like... Poodle look. Poodle look, exactly. Um, and even the upper half of the animal would stay, they'd keep it long and even tie it out of their eyes, like with a ribbon or whatever. Well, I mean, and picture a skirt for a Scottish terrier, where it's like, keep the back clear, keep the legs warm, mm. right? Um, and so not only did this make it easier for the dog to see, it made it easier for the hunter to see the dog if they had like a kind of colorful ribbon on their head. Um, and so this kind of efficiency was the first 
start of grooming. But in the 1700s, we start to see the royal poodles um, being quaffed. And yeah. like you said, the French, right? They loved to quaff their they dogs. They like to quaff them. I mean, the word right there, very French. Quaff? Quaff? Quaff. That's not a German word. You know what I mean? That's a French word. So nobles would parade their dogs with them around court. You know how uh, in the 90s, early 2000s, it was kind of like a status symbol to have a purse dog? Yes. It's like that. It was exactly like that. They would um, like give them ornate kind of like shaved or teased haircuts um, and like, you know, it was it was an accessory. I wouldn't necessarily limit a dog being a fashion accessory to any one time period. There is always going to be some former fashion well, of no, that. I'm you talking know what I mean? about like the famous poodles. Yes. We, yeah, the poodle cuts. That you we're know, talking about. didn't people with purse dogs worry about the dog like eating their used tissues and like leftover purse candies and stuff? Oh, I don't know. And when Par- in Paris Hilton's purse, didn't she have like used tissues Probably and not. old Werther's? Probably not. No? No. Um, So then, obviously, when the French did it, more Europeans started doing it. Um, And this is when literature started to circulate that suggested not only that grooming made your dog look better, but also that it was essential to their health. In 1861, there was a book called House Dogs and Sporting Dogs by John Merrick. Um, and it suggests that routinely bathing is a healthy thing for your dog, um, whether they're a hunting companion or for fanciness. There was another book in America called The American Book of the Dog by Geo Shield, was written in the late 1800s, again, about the importance of dog grooming. It's a very interesting, if you think about it for two seconds too long, or two seconds correct length, mm. um, you start to think about like how much of this maintenance and stuff we bred into dogs, right? Maybe not on purpose, but as we talked about, like with a wolf, right? It isn't like a wolf is going to get a haircut, you know, once a month or whatever. And listen, we can go long into the breeding of dogs and how it led to a lot of health problems in dogs, uh, issues in Dalmatians and pugs and all kinds of stuff where in seeking to get a certain aesthetic, you ended up causing like serious health problems for these dogs. But more than that, like when we talk about fur versus hair um, and like having to groom for sanitation, having to groom for so they can see, right? These things where, yeah, that's, because we bred for a certain aesthetic of them and said, oh, we need to cut their hair. (laughs) Um, So by the early 1900s, there were lots of helpful things for dog grooming, not only like you were talking about, but also like for fleas, right? Um, As people decided that fleas weren't welcome on their bodies, they they also decided that they didn't want them on their dogs. Um, And another thing that helped this was grooming like you said like shaving right um and so around the 1920s uh it's often said that both women and dogs got their hair bobbed yeah so we've got a couple of different like 
pockets of different things. We've got in the 20s, people were into German Shepherds and Newfoundlands. And then you've got the backswing to smaller dogs in the 30s, Boston Terriers. And then Poodles came back in style in the 60s here in the U.S. And it was like because they had so much hair that was easily kind of like styled, people would put flowers in their hair and things like that, right? And this is when... um, Hair dye started coming in vogue for dogs. And listen, I I don't know in my heart. I haven't looked into my heart of the ethics of how I feel about dying a dog, but I like to see it. <laughs> it's cute, right? Now, in the 60s and 70s, this is when in the United States we had high demand for professional groomers. But we didn't really have schools for groomers. Um it was more you had kind to learn of on like, the streets. Yeah, it was more of a trade than a than like um uh, an educational thing, yeah. right? But see a need, fill a need, right? This is when it started to um started to make it where like you had these kind of training schools and people could be certified in things and um you know, the industry would provide. So we have some specialists called um, Sally Liddick and Gwen Shelley. They founded a publishing company in 1981 that unified the industry through magazines and conferences and websites and social media and even grooming shows, right? Mm. And it's hilariously called Barclay Publications. Uh. I love it. I love it. So today, there are more than 25,000 groomers in the United States alone, uh, clipping nails, styling fur, washing coats. And while the grooming industry remains relatively unregulated, um, all dog breeds are now studied profusely and styled precisely with help of the -the state-of-the-art equipment that they use and up-to-date information. Um, So, you know, do your due diligence and find a groomer that will take care of you. And it's especially important... Because it's not just, like, a style thing of, like, I want this dog to look like the kind of dog it is or whatever, right? There is also an element of, as you mentioned, health, right, Mm -hmm. that goes into it of uh, whether it's making sure that uh, the dog has, like, the warmth it needs. If it's an outside dog, if it's a hunting dog, if it's a sporting dog, whatever, right, that it's like, okay, great, there's a reason it has these coats and has this kind of thing. Um, But also, as we mentioned, sanitation being a thing of it growing over its private parts, Um, things about its eyes, it's, you know, is it have basically long, bushy eyebrows to like keep dirt out of its eyes while it's digging in the dirt or like its muzzle? Does it have uh, hair around it to protect it while it's doing this? Right. So when we talk about taking it to a groomer who knows what they're doing, it's not just does this groomer make the dog look the way I want it to, mm-hmm. but do they also understand like when to d- take care of the undercoat, when, you know, to leave this area long, let this area go short and all of these things to keep the dog healthy yeah. and safe. Absolutely. Um, we're going to talk about some more specifics when we come back. But first, how about a word from another Max Fun show? Have you ever wanted to know the sad lore behind Chuck E. Cheese's love of birthday parties? Or, my Saturday mornings were reserved for cartoons? Or, have you wanted to know how beloved virtual pet site Neopets fell into the hands of Scientologists? 
or how a former Mattel employee managed to grow Sega into a video game powerhouse. Join us, hosts Austin and Brenda, and learn all of these things and more at Secret Histories of Nerd Mysteries, now on Maximum Fun. The following are real reenactments of pretend emergency calls. There are plenty of podcasts on the hunt for justice, but only one podcast has the courage to take on the silly crimes. Judge John Hodgman, the only true crime podcast that won't leave you feeling sad and bad and scared for once. Only on MaximumFun.org. Teresa, tell me some etiquette, please. Absolutely. There are a couple of things that you can do at home. I mean, short of trimming your own dog's hair, of course. Um, you can get your animal used to being touched in the same ways that a dog groomer would touch them, especially things like their paws, right? In general. No, I was also a dog trainer. That one I did do for a mm-hmm. while. That one I actually yeah, do know what I'm while. talking about. In general, um, what you want to do, the, the paws are important, not just for grooming, but also... It's like the number one way that a dog, you know, I mean, when they're walking around, tongue and mouth is usually the number (laughs) one way they interact with anything. But walking around, right, if your dog is going to get an injury, like on a walk or a hike or whatever, it's probably on their paws. And you want them to trust you right. to pick up their paw and look at it. You don't want a dog who like either pulls it away or like nips at you when you try to look at their paw or else you might miss um, something that's wrong. And dogs can't tell you when something is wrong. So one of the first things that I would train people to do with their dog is like have a like touch the paw, give a treat. And like also like kind of pet them all over to yeah. play with them to kind of begin the engagement of play, which is one, fun for the dog. They like getting pets. But also your chance to see like, oh, I kind of pushed on this area and they pulled away is something wrong? I pull, you know, I lifted their leg and they kind of winced mm-hmm. and made a noise. Something might be wrong with one of their joints. You want to do the kind of like favorable conditioning, yes. right? So equate this touch with a good experience so that it makes it easier, like you said, to check their health, but also to get them groomed. Um, you can also take them to the groomer relatively early. Now, we want to make sure that puppies are safe and they get all their shots and their immunity is up so that they don't get sick at the groomer. Um, but, you know, the place that you take them to will usually have some sort of, you know, puppies have to be so many weeks old in order to go here or whatever. Um, and the more that you take them, the more used to it they'll be, right? Um, another thing that you can do is brush your dogs. You might feel like your dog doesn't really need to get brushed, but maybe they need it in like the way of like if you're bathing them, they need that old hair removed in order to get to the other hair for it to be cleaned, right? So we still have to brush the dogs. Um, I brush our dogs more often when they're shedding, obviously. (laughs) But there's a lot of great tools out there. There are different rakes for undercoat. There are different um, groomer 
sort of um, brushes that I I really like the Equi Groomer style. It's got tiny little teeth that grab onto the loose hairs but leave all the other ones. And the dogs, you can do it over and over because it doesn't ever touch their skin, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, make sure that you check their feet and ears often. Those are places, like you said, where you can get debris um, and uncomfortability things there. But also ears need to be cleaned as well. And like I said, the more that you take them in, the more that you condition them that this is a good thing, the more that grooming them will be a success. Now, so here's the thing about fur versus hair. Oh, okay. So um, they're made of the same thing. It's keratin. Both mm-hmm. keratin, same thing, fingernails and stuff. Um, but basically some dogs have hair, uh, and some dogs have fur. Right. And so a poodle is an example of a poodle grows hair. Uh, a Yorkie grows hair. Maltese, Shih Tzu. That's just off the top of my head. I think there are other ones. But basically, um, one is like the density, right? Dogs with fur tend to uh, have more follicles, so it grows closer together. Mm. Um, and uh, hair grows slower than fur. Um, and it, it mostly is like about like the softness of it, right? So when you okay. think about like a, a Yorkie, uh, Maltese, Shih Tzu, think about a Shih Tzu, right? Yeah. These long flowing, you know, things. Tendrils. That's what we're talking about, right? Um, now, also, there are some dogs with fur where the fur keeps growing. So like we have Lily and Buttercup, right? If you don't get Buttercup uh, haircut, she gets very fuzzy, right? Hair keeps growing, right? In all directions. In she all directions. Kind of like she just kind of <laughs> keeps puffing up, right? Lily, Lily doesn't need a haircut, right? Lily's hair sheds, you know, shorter, right, than Buttercups does. Lily sheds more. So Lily does not need a haircut. She still needs groomed, right? Still needs bathed. But there are some dogs where their fur keeps growing, and some dogs where it doesn't, right? Which is another thing to know when you talk about how often they need grooming versus uh, bathing versus nail dremel versus whatever, right? Right. Okay. Um, also, oh. dogs that have an undercoat, right, that grows out, uh, mm-hmm. I believe, during the winter to keep them warm. If they're indoor dogs, it's really not as much, it's really not as necessary, but... Um, that then will need to be like brushed out, right? So this right is as an, it sheds, yeah, they're blowing coat. This is another reason to like have a groomer who knows what they're doing instead of just like I don't know taking a trimmer to them at home by yourself, right? Is to know when to take care of that, how to take care of that, so it doesn't get matted, mm-hmm. um, so that the dog doesn't have issues. Because that's the other thing: matted hair in a dog can lead to issues with the skin, um, can, and open wounds, and open wounds, um, and. When you are, if you decide to like bathe your dog at home, which is perfectly fine, very different from like grooming them at home, make sure you have um, specific dog uh, shampoo and mm-hmm, conditioner and mm-hmm. stuff. Usually something with a probiotic, right? Because there's, when you get dog smell, wet dog smell, is <laughs> because there is bacteria in dog fur, right? A lot of that to like help protect them um, is goo bacteria. And so the probiotic stuff uh, helps keep the good stuff that they are supposed to have on their fur and skin and get rid of the bad stuff. 
Um, avoid getting water in their ears and nose and eyes, where you don't want to get shampoo in their eyes. And if you blow dry them, do not blow dry on their nose, right? A dog's Mm -hmm. nose is very, very sensitive. You don't want to dry it out. You don't want to heat it up. Same with, like, blowing air in their ears. Don't do that. So be. I usually blow dry from the neck down and then hand dry And you should dry your dogs as best as you can, even if it's just with a towel, because as they are wet, they'll want to rub on your furniture to dry themselves off. And that also can encourage matting. Um, As far as going to the groomer, uh, keep your dog calm. Keep yourself calm as you're dropping off at the groomer. And don't come back until you are notified that the dog is ready to be picked up. Because if you came back early and your dog was on a groomer's table, that might cause them to get very excited. And that not only is dangerous for the dog, it makes the groomer's job harder. So um, stay out of sight until your dog is finished. One last thing. Uh, Be specific uh, about what you want your groomer to do with your dog. If it is an aesthetic cut, you're welcome to bring in pictures, right? Um, but I have seen many a internet uh, <laughs> shaming of a, of a dog where I wanted their tail cut in a heart. And what happened was they, didn't, they weren't specific enough. And so now they have a shaved heart in their butt. Or they said, make sure you trim the dog's um paw fur and then you end up with a dog that has naked paws or whatever it is right if you want something specific bring a picture be specific so that you both are on the same page and if you're the groomer and you're listening to this like triple check okay this is what i'm (laughs) gonna do this is what you want right this is what you're saying right and it goes the other way too like buttercup for example especially as a terrier if they trim her beard it does. It, she does not look right, yeah. right? She looks like a little rat. Well, no, they can trim her beard, but I don't want her beard shaved off. Yeah, right? same with it's her not, tail, right? Yeah. If they take all of the, like, shaggy fur off, you know, she needs to look kind of wiry, right? She yeah. needs that, like, fur coming off the tail. Or else she looks like a wet rat. Yeah, just clean up the beard. Just clean up the beard. Um, the other thing is, if you are an owner and you're bringing your dog in for grooming, and there are idiosyncrasies that you know about your dog tell the groomer right just like if they're going to boarding tell the boarder because like for example i remember there was a dog that uh when i was 16 it's one of the only times i've ever been bit by a dog and he was a very very sweet rottweiler he was very sweet he was a good boy and then I went to get him, and we had these like slip leads, you know, where it's like the ring and the rope, and mm-hmm. you put it right. And I walked up to like, hey, let's go. And he freaked out because he doesn't like leads. He didn't like it going over his head. Mm. Um, now, in that circumstance, the owner had told one of my terrible bosses, and my terrible boss had not told me. Aww. And so the Rottweiler freaked out, and I ended up getting nipped. Uh, but once again, he wasn't trying to hurt me. Right, he, he was scared. He was scared, um, but anything like that, where you're like, um, he doesn't like, you know, like there are dogs where they don't like being pet, so that your hand goes over their eyes, right? Or there's dogs who don't like the leads. There's dogs who, whatever. And as you get established at a groomer, the groomer will know these things as well. Right. Um, there's also things for health, like Buttercup is old. 
Uh, we suspect she may have some softening in her trachea. We don't yeah. keep a thick collar on her anymore. She just has an ID tag. Um, so if they are grooming her, we want to keep uh, pressure off of her neck. Right? Yeah. That's another good thing to tell and, them. And and just in general of like, yeah, she doesn't really jump up and down off of tables anymore. You know, <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah. Um, you know, you can bring your own treats or food for the groomers to give them if your dog has a sensitive stomach. Right. All of these things. Um, now all of that said, added up too much and it starts to sound very high maintenance, but I would say if I were a groomer and I had somebody bring their dog to me, I would rather know too much about what the person wants than not enough or rather what the dog needs yeah. than not enough because I would feel absolutely terrible if a dog got hurt or something while I was taking care of them because the owner was worried about seeming high maintenance or mm -hmm. whatever and didn't tell me. Um, so in general, you want to give the information that the person needs. Hey, this sounds like a difficult job. You should tip your groomer. <laughs> yeah, you should tip your groomer, um, especially like, man, I don't know if this is universal, but I feel like it's hard to get grooming appointments. And so it's a matter of like, if you want to have a good relationship with a groomer, whether it's tattoo artist, massage therapist, whatever, where it's like, I might need an appointment um, on more short notice than I have availability six months from now. Cool. Tip them. Build a good relationship with them. And you know who else we have a good relationship with, Teresa? Our, our listeners. listeners. Thank you, listeners, for supporting us. Just FYI, uh, the Max Fund Drive is coming up pretty soon here in a couple weeks and that's your chance to uh show some support for the podcast and artists that you love um we'll tell you more about it when it comes up we also want to say thank you to our researcher alex without whom we could not do the show thank you to our editor rachel without whom we could not do the show thank you for listening um you're great there i said it we don't want to do the show without we don't, you we don't want to because you're great and you, you're that special sauce. You know, okay, you're the salt right. in our eyes. And I think, <laughs> no, wait. If you haven't already, go to macroemerge.com. Check that out. Um, we've got a lot of great stuff over there. Um, and I also want to let everybody know I have a Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash the Travis McRoy. And this Monday, the 26th at 8.30 8 p.m. Eastern time, I'm going to be uh, playing some Dungeons and Dragons with some friends of mine. Alo Clark is running the game. Me, Tybee Diskin, Verona Blue, and Gabe Hicks are playing. Um, that's over at... Uh, twitch.tv slash the Travis McRoy 8.30 p.m. on the 26th. Be there. What else, Teresa? We also like to thank Brent, Brentel Floss Black for writing our theme music, which is available as a ringtone where those are found. Also, thank you to Bruja Betty Pennant Photography for the cover picture of our fan-run Facebook group, Schmanners Fanners. If you love to give and get excellent advice from other fans, go ahead and join that group today. As always, we are taking your topic suggestions, your questions, your idioms. Send those to schmannerscast at gmail.com and say hi to Alex because she reads everyone. And that's going to do it for us. So join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manners, Schmanners. Get it. Maximum Fun, a work-owned network of artist-owned shows, supported directly 
by you.